Welcome to Marvel News. My name is Sean Gerber, and joining me shortly will be my co-host, Paul Herman. Now, as you know, we are dedicated to all things Marvel on this podcast, but particularly the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is episode 56, and we are at our second stop on the road to Infinity War. This week, we are looking back at The Incredible Hulk from 2008, Marvel Studios' second feature film, which was directed by Louis Leterrier. Now, before we get on with the show, I'll use your current status as our captive audience to let you know that you can find more Marvel from this podcast and articles written by yours truly at our website, marvelstudiosnews.com. You can also find us on Facebook as Marvel Studios News and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Please feel free to share our show with your friends, and if you're on iTunes, we would love a rating and review from you, our dear listener. And finally... If you're a true believer, you can support our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. In addition to helping us continue to produce the Marvel-related content you crave, you will have exclusive access to bonus content from our podcast, including this one, and entire shows that are only available to our patrons. Last week, we discussed Iron Man, and our patrons now have exclusive access to our conversation about the connective tissue between Iron Man, Avengers Infinity War, and next year's Captain Marvel. We also talked about the Black Widow movie getting a screenwriter. This week, our patrons will hear us connect the dots between the Incredible Hulk and Infinity War, as well as our thoughts on Tom Holland being rumored to appear as Spider-Man in Sony's Venom. You can find all of that content and support our show at patreon.com slash News. Okay, that's it. I'm done with all the business talk. On with our show. What's up, Paul Herman? You ready to talk about some Incredible Hulk? Um, as long as it's not the Ang Lee Hulk, yes. <laughs> oh man, I actually, you know what? The Angley Hulk I know. is yeah, it, I know. look. It it deserves a lot of the crap that it gets, but I also think it's a little better than its reputation. But more than anything else, I've always respected the ambition of that movie. You can't say that that movie played it safe or that it wasn't nope. trying to do anything big. Like they were trying some big ideas in the movie, uh, just you know didn't bring it all together. And that's how we wound up with the Incredible Hulk uh, because we <laughs> yep. we start these we. Every time we're on this road to Infinity War, we make a stop. We have to exit on memory lane. So like, that's what we have to do to talk about <laughs> the Incredible Hulk and what it was like uh, in that buildup. But before we do that, I actually want to take just a few seconds to thank the patrons that we have on our Patreon account. Uh, these are the true believers, the people who are supporting the show and we, of course, want to take the time to thank them. We just launched our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News, last week. Um, and already the response has been awesome. So I want to thank the following patrons who are already on board uh, and helping make this show possible. Uh, Jim Scroggs, Andrew Custer, David Rosen, Wu S. Kim, Hector Giovanni Navarrete, or Navarrete, I think I should pronounce that better, Darren Hoops, Tim Costello, Angel Ashby, Tim Garachi and Clark T. Denning. So thank you all so much for your support of the show. It means Aww. everything to us. And thank you for everybody who's listening to the show uh, and supporting it that way. Uh, but there was more info on the in-, in the intro if you want to go back and figure out how you can support the show and get your name called out on our next episode. So, Paul, speaking of The Incredible Hulk, uh, yes. I always have a soft spot for the Hulk because this was my favorite Marvel character growing up. Mm. 
Thanks to mm-hmm. the MCU, a lot of characters have pulled kind of even or in that same neighborhood as the Hulk. But mm-hmm. yeah. growing up, I had an affinity for characters named Bruce because my DC character was <laughs> Batman and my Marvel character was the Incredible Hulk. And I just, I mean, the the biggest thing that got me into Hulk was obviously uh, reruns of the Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno mm-hmm. series, the live action one, but also the... Uh, early 80s cartoon series, which didn't have that many episodes, but they were all pretty much cranked out on VHS, and I used to watch those things over and over and over again. Mm. And growing up, I never thought we would get a Hulk movie, or I kind of understood why we wouldn't, because oh, yeah. what, even as a little kid, you can watch the Lou Ferrigno Hulk and be like, yeah, this doesn't really work. Uh, <laughs> like It kind of does, <laughs> but like it's not going to work for that much longer. Like It works out of desperation because you need it to work and you really want some Hulk like content that badly. But um, you know, growing up, I knew like that's why we were getting Batman movies, but we weren't getting Hulk movies and, and Marvel movies in general is because of the superpowers. Like The special effects just weren't there yet, so I was always waiting for the day. And then finally got the Ang Lee Hulk movie in 2003. And the first time I saw the <laughs> Ang Lee Hulk movie, uh, I loved it. But that was because I just, I, wa- I wanted a Hulk movie so bad, they could have put anything in front of me in 2003. They did. That's good news. And, and I, and I would have loved it. So, and then it was on, like, you know, but then, like, the second time I went back and watched the theater, I'm like, uh, and then, you know, just slowly... But surely, you know, my opinion of it went down. But I still have a, a soft spot for it. But obviously, it didn't leave the franchise in the greatest space. Um, but it was one. It's so funny what happens with superhero movies because, like, even when something like Hulk comes out and it doesn't do, it wasn't an all-out disaster at the box office, but it wasn't necessarily a hit either. But it's funny what happens when it's in that space because people keep talking about it like they're gonna make another one. Um, but they don't actually make another one. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Hulk was just kind of dying on the vine. Um, and then it went back to uh, to Marvel Studios, and they you know, there were the first rumblings of they're going to make this movie. They're going to put out Iron Man, and they're, the other movie, when they the financing deal that we talked about in our Iron Man episode last week, that same one was financing The Incredible Hulk as the other movie, uh, as, as Marvel Studios' two-movie slate. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so I was pleasantly surprised, and, and I, I, I pleasantly surprised we were getting another Hulk movie. Not surprised that it was going to be a reboot. Um, although what's really interesting, though, is most of the conversation about the movie before it came out wasn't reboot. It was basically we're picking up, you know, they made, there was a lot of conversation that almost made it sound like it was going to be not necessarily a direct sequel, but still part of the mm-hmm. canon of the Hulk movie from 2003. And then you actually watch the movie, and they're redoing the origin, <laughs> so you know it's not. Uh, you know it's not that one. But anyway, we're getting ahead of it into the actual movie. Uh, but what were mm-hmm. some of the first things you remember hearing and, and even thinking about uh, in association with an incredible Hulk <clears throat> movie? Well, like you, Hulk's always been one of my favorite characters. And um, by the way, did you ever read the Batman-Hulk crossover from Marvel and DC? You know I did, man. Okay, Shaper of Worlds, (laughs) Joker. While we're speaking of crossovers, I also remember mailing away for the Hulk-Venom crossover that Marvel put out. Yeah, they just put. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm only bringing that up to tease our uh, Patreon credit scene later, but I remember that Hulk Venom uh, mashup. Ironically, it's also on Marvel Unlimited. It just came on there. 
Is it really? Oh, okay. I'm yeah, it's on there. Yeah, I, I, I've always wanted to read it, Sean. So I never, I've actually never read it. It's so in a plastic tub in my mom and dad's garage. So yeah, <laughs> that's that's where that physical issue is located. I don't know where I would. Ha- it would be an afternoon of digging to get it out. So I'm, I'm happy that it's on unlimited. I, I will be checking that out after this show. Yeah. So um, yeah, but like you, I'm, I'm a huge Hulk fan. I was I was constantly reading uh, Hulk comics as a kid. Huge Peter David Hulk fan. Yep. That's, um, that's one of the my, stuff I grew up on. That's one of my mm-hmm. all time favorite comic book runs is Peter David's Hulk. It's, that yeah, so good. That is as responsible for me being a big time superhero fan, especially a Marvel fan, as any run of comics ever is Peter David's yeah. Hulk. Yeah. So I, you know, so I grew up on like gray Hulk, green Hulk. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I grew up on all that stuff and I loved it. Joe fix it, uh, baby. Joe <laughs> fix it. <laughs> yeah. On the, in, in Las Vegas. Yep. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's like only Peter David can do that, yeah. you know? Um, but no, I grew up on a, as a huge Hulk fan. I, and like you, I did watch some of the TV stuff. I mostly, mostly saw the specials, like the Daredevil and the Thor episodes, you know, and I remember getting really excited hearing about Daredevil and then I remember going, Oh, it's going to be him in his red black outfit. <laughs> and so, you know, and obviously, you know, ironically that'd yeah, come Netflix up years later. <laughs> yeah. No, Netflix did it. Um, so <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, uh, so anyway, we're Netflix. Um, we hate costumes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've always loved the Hulk. I, I like the Lou Ferrigno stuff. Like you, it's like it. It maybe not. It, I understood it wasn't exactly like 100 percent amazing, yeah. oh, but I, I love. Yeah, I ate it up as a little kid. Yeah, yeah. I ate it, and I love the Thor episode. The Thor episode's so good. I'll never, for, I'll never forget the ep- the part where Thor comes out in a towel and he's like, "Amazing contraption." Something that can go hot and cold. And I'm like, I just love that. I just love it. It's so funny. Anyway, um, but yeah. They couldn't figure out water heaters on Asgard. For some no, apparently not, right? <laughs> you couldn't use like Moldier to like to uh, yeah. let your, you know, to heat up his, his water, right? So, and, and it, whatever. Anyway, so um, Ang Lee came out. I remember this is, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go deep on this, guys. I'm gonna get emotionally deep on on you all here. Well, so that's what the movie when, tried yeah. to do. So go for it. Well, right, 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 right. So I'm gonna. Yeah. So basically, when the movie came out, I was going through a lot of anxiety problems. I, I mean, like I struggle with anxiety. I have no problem admitting that. But with in, in some in some years, I have, have I just deal with it worse than others, right? And that particular year. I was having panic attacks like when I would just go hang out with my friends. It was weird, right? And I'm a social butterfly, so it was just a really weird time for me. I remember I got a panic attack in the in the Hulk movie. And I, it was when Hulk was like in the desert, like with the tanks. Uh-huh. And I had to like I had to leave the theater and because I was like my I was like my heart was palpitating. I was just being weird. And I remember just being like, ah, man, I got I gotta see Hulk again. And I re- came back in, I calmed down. And I, I watched it, and I was like, no, I don't want to watch this again. <laughs> and I was a huge Hulk fan. And I remember I wanted to go back and rewatch it over the weekend, but I was like, uh, no. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I and again, I'm a huge Hulk fan, and I just did not – I did not like it. Yeah. And um, so, with, you know, as I always wanted I, – I was always baffled that – this was it would ever get a sequel because it didn't didn't seem to do very well. I remember reading online at the time 
that it was not so much the box office that can that Universal wanted to push a sequel through, but was mostly the merchandising that mm-hmm. I, I, I'm reading that somewhere. The merchandising alone made the Hulk worth it for them to make. So I always thought that's very interesting. It's very you know with the Hulk hands. I remember those. Mm-hmm. I mean those were huge. They're, I, they're still, huge. still every yeah, time Hulk's still, in a movie, there's a new set of Hulk hands. And, and they're great. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So, like, I feel like – I remember I worked at Target at the time, and there was Hulk stuff everywhere, mm-hmm. even though it didn't pertain to the movie. And I remember it selling pretty decently too. So, I mean, that made sense. I had all of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I, I personally never – I just – I don't know. I never connected to the movie. I don't like the movie. And, yeah. So, I was very excited once I heard – that you know, we're making a sequel, but it seemed like it was more, you know, the, the Marvel Studios was going to make it because mm-hmm. it was part of that whole, you know, thing. So. Yeah, I just find it interesting that the movie that was that its status of being, whether it was a reboot or a quasi like pseudo sequel, I, I find that it's really just kind of ironic that that's how it started out because that's also how it ended up in terms of its place in <laughs> MCU canon. Yes. Um, yes. It is a uh, it's a movie that's never found its footing in terms of where it exists. Although I mean, of course, we all know it it obviously exists in the MCU. It just isn't always treated like it exists uh, in the MCU. But more on that later. Um, yeah, other things I remember about the build up to the movie is uh, the same thing. You know, the same stuff that Marvel talks about. Like uh, studio president Kevin Feige will will talk about how going into two thousand eight, you would have assumed that between the two properties. Uh, Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. That Iron Man, uh, that the Incredible Hulk would have been more of the sure thing because even though you had the Ang Lee film, which didn't do all that well, at least Hulk was a big brand that people knew. So mm-hmm. it's like if we give people a good Hulk movie, they'll show up. Um, as opposed to Iron Man, which is we could make a good movie and they still might not show up. Um, so Hulk had that advantage, but it was pretty clear. Uh, I mean, probably from from comic con like we talked about when the, once the first footage came out for iron man and then of course the the first trailer at that point forward i think iron man had already jumped ahead of the hulk uh because i remember the entire build-up going into and then through the first half of 2008 i was hearing way more about iron man than i was the incredible hulk like you know and, and obviously there was the dark knight just kind of looming in the distance as a huge batman movie that year but yeah the incredible hulk just was almost flying under the radar the problem is it stayed under the radar i don't know how many people knew that there was another hulk movie uh in 2008 because it is marvel's lowest performing uh it is marvel's lowest performing move uh, marvel studios lowest performing movie ever i mean i think it's like 200 something million dollars worldwide like it really didn't do very well it, it maybe at best it kind of broke even or turned a small profit uh, based on like merchandising and, and Blu-ray sales or something, but it didn't do all that well at the box office. And um, but yeah, like the the build up once Iron Man was out, I was actually it was different going into the year. I was thinking, oh, the Incredible, I love Hulk, so the Incredible Hulk might be even though the Iron Man trailer is more exciting, I'll probably end up liking the Incredible Hulk more because I, I'm a bigger Hulk fan than I am an Iron Man fan. But then I saw Iron Man, and I was like, oh, crap, how are they going to top this? Uh, because Iron Man, as we talked about last week, was so good. Um, so then going into The Incredible Hulk, I was like, well, now this really has something to live up to uh, in terms of what Marvel Studios can do. So do you remember, as we talked about last week for Iron Man, do you remember where you were, who you were with when you first saw The Incredible Hulk once it was out? 
I think I saw the Hulk um, with. Uh, I think I saw with my, if I remember correctly, with my buddy, he uh, he actually did the orchestra sessions for the Hulk uh, score. Mm. Um, he's like he's he's an engineer for for music and stuff like that. And I recorded when I, when I played music back in the day. He recorded a bunch of my stuff. We were good friends. I think we saw it together. I want to say at midnight. And uh, I remember him, you know, he would tell me like things. I'm like, oh, well, you know, what's in it? He's like, uh, monsters are fighting monsters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't anything detailed. Um, but no, I think we saw it together. And, and now we, we have to realize, too, that this is coming out right after Iron Man. Yeah. Like, so I mean, I was like, month. yeah. So I was like ready. I mean, I, w- I think, did uh, Hellboy uh, in the Golden Army. Or, no, um, Hellboy came out a little right before Dark Knight. Hellboy was July. That's right. Hulk was June. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's right. It was between uh, Dark Knight and Hulk. Because I remember just being like, this is like the best comic book movie summer ever. It's got Iron Man, Hulk, and then Hellboy, and then Batman. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And you know, and, and going into the Hulk, um, I just want it to be better than the Ang Lee's Hulk. And um, yeah, I think... I I like this movie. I don't love it. I think it, it definitely has an a- I think it has an age the best out of all the Marvel films in my opinion. Like I think it's definitely the one that feels like it, it came out of 2008. Like Iron Man does a little bit too, but it has such a charm to it that it feels it is so still timeless. Well, it's only the references in Iron Man that feel dated. Right. You know, MySpace right. and like the cell phones that we talked about, but the overall like story and pacing of it like that could that could come out today as a Marvel Studios movie. Just change some of the the tech and like, social right. references, and it's right there. Right, and I think this movie just kind of it kind of seems like it came out in two thousand eight. It does. It just hasn't really given me, you know, a much of a like. It's again. It's I don't. Know, it just feels like it's older. And if that makes any sense, I don't know. But at the time, I liked it. I thought I was definitely the step in the right direction. Um, I know my 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 then girl my my now wife then girlfriend um, Morgan and I took my little brother to see the movie. He's a big Hulk fan, so we saw that together. That was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, I never. It was one of those movies that I never felt like I had to go see multiple times. I usually because back in the day I would go see these movies more than once, even if I didn't love it. This is why I would support comic movies and you know throw in you know every little bit helps you know back in the day, right? So. Mm-hmm. It, it, it definitely fell in that way for me, but it never. I liked it because it was a Hulk, and I, and I love the Hulk as one of my favorite Marvel characters. But it just, I never was like, "This is amazing." It felt, but it felt like a step in the right direction. Yeah, the first time I saw it was I was with my dad again, just like I was with Iron Man. It was opening weekend. I can't remember if it was the Friday or the Saturday, but it was another 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 one of those things where I didn't go see it at midnight because I was already had plans to go see it with my family that weekend and. And but this time uh, my older brother was with us as well, so it was my my brother, my dad, and I watching this movie. I think that's the last time I saw a movie with my brother. We don't go watch that many movies, um, not together anyway. But uh, yeah, so we uh, so we watched the movie, and I and I remember having some pretty high expectations in the wake of Iron Man because I just saw what Marvel Studios could do. Um, I didn't hate the Ang Lee movie quite the way that everybody else did, so. Um, I wasn't sitting here. I wasn't going into it thinking, well, anything's going to be better than what we got in 2003. Like, it still needed to be a good movie. And what I was most excited about going into it was actually seeing Hulk versus Abomination as a fight in a movie. Like, because that was one thing that Hulk was missing is he didn't have a proper adversary 
in 2003. Like he had dogs and then he was fighting his dad who was water at the time. So like, it wasn't really like the, the action, the fighting, like, you know, the Hulk, the Hulk smash just wasn't there in 2003. Um, Although Hulk dogs are from the comics, which only proves that no, not, not all ideas from, not all they ideas were from the comics. comics work. Hold on, they were in the comics for like like two years before. It was barely even like hey, a thing. It still counts. Uh, well, but anyway, whatever. well, look, I'm just well for people. Well, because there are some people who go, "Oh, that never happened in the comics." Yeah, it actually did. It just wasn't a good it idea. Did. It wasn't a good idea to put into a movie. I'll I'll happily agree with that. Paul Jenkins. It's Paul Jenkins, I think, right? I think he wrote that. So yeah, because it was after they like rebooted Hulk with a new number one, and I think that was. Yeah. I think I could pull the issue number out of my ass and say it was fourteen. But <laughs> why you continue? I'm gonna look. The dogs up are right on the now. cover. The dogs are on the cover, so you I'll know right look away. Look it up right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, anyway. So uh, the uh, anyway the uh, so going into the movie, I, I was certainly excited about it because growing up a huge huge Hulk fan, I, I wanted to see it, and then finally seeing Abomination in a movie, who's one of Hulk's most legendary foes, and we're going to get an actual monster versus monster battle in it. I was all about it, and then when I watched the movie, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I did, I didn't when it ended, I didn't have that same feeling of oh my God, superhero movies are different now, like I felt after Iron Man. It didn't give me that full shot of adrenaline, but I did really like it um, because it delivered a lot of the things that I wanted. It did have some of the classic feel of the Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno show, while at the same time having much more modern effects. Uh, and then having you know a lot of these other things... Uh, you know, a lot of these other things going into it, like, uh, you know, getting that Hulk versus Abomination fight. And I did like that final fight between the two of them and the other action of Hulk versus military guys and stuff like that, which is also classic Hulk and comics and animation. That, that stuff worked. So I was I was very happy with the movie overall, but it wasn't the it, it wasn't the same level of excitement as Iron Man. And that's kind of where the Incredible Hulk has always been, is that it is a very solid, well-made movie that for whatever reason just doesn't pack the punch doesn't get doesn't inspire the same kind of enthusiasm from me um as Iron Man and some of the and some of the obviously better entries of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think ultimately for me the Incredible Hulk is again solid and well made but maybe a little uninspired and I think you could probably tell and I think that makes sense given that this was obviously so early in Marvel Studios finding their footing in terms of how they were going to make movies. By the way, you are 100% on the money. Nailed it. Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Incredible Hulk uh, number 14 came out on May 10th, 2000. So, yes. So, three it was, years it, before three, the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was three years of bad idea before that. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I'm, I'm with you, Sean. Like, I think you nailed it with the fact that it's not very – it's very uninspired. It's very by the numbers. And – I think it's weird. It's it's almost like again, this movie. I don't think this movie is bad. I don't. No, I want to make that very clear. Definitely not bad. Definitely not. It's not bad. bad. But it's just it it sticks out compared to the rest of the Marvel like films, and you can tell that Universal had a heavy, heavy, heavy hand into this, and it it even you know, compared between Iron Man and Iron Man Two, which this movie is you know sandwiched between, it feels very just very different. And um, 
I mean, obviously Iron Man was a huge success and they didn't know which one was going to be a huge success necessarily when they made them. But like, we talked about that last week. But no, I, I feel that this movie, like, though it's not uninspired, it does have some, you know, some redeeming qualities to it and which we'll get into. But yeah, I'm, I think the uninspired um, uh, comment is definitely warranted, though. Well, and I think it makes a lot of sense because Marvel's making these two movies at the same time. Iron Man and The Incredible Hulk were being made, both being made in 2007 to be released in 2008. Um, Iron Man started before, I think, um, The Incredible Hulk started shooting, it was like June or July of 2007, uh, is when they started principal photography. So Iron Man had a bit of a head start, but for the most part, these movies were being made at the same time. And so Marvel Studios hadn't established their identity yet. Iron Man is what established their identity. So because Iron Man's still in the process of being made, they don't know what that is. Um, you know, and then when they, as they're making The Incredible Hulk, so they don't know that that's going to be such a hit. They also don't know that people are going to like that style of uh, a comic book movie. So they have no idea if people are going to be into injecting, you know, more modern sense of humor to it being so witty and even a little bit snarky with some of the humor sometimes. So, you know, with the Incredible Hulk, they can't just go into it thinking we know that this is going to we know that this is going to work. What they leaned into was they wanted some of like the somber sadness of um of the Incredible Hulk TV show because it always had that because even though there would be some very sweet hero moments throughout it always just ends kind of sad because here's David Banner on the show, not Bruce. You know, here's Bill Bixby just, okay, at the end of the day, he's got to walk off because, you know, Hulk can't, he can't be found as the Hulk and he's got to keep searching for a cure. So there's always that downer element to the Hulk that, that was emphasized on the show. And they were, and they knew people liked the show. So they were hoping that if they, if they leaned into that stuff and you, you show, uh, you know, you show Bill Bixby on Edward Norton's television set in, when he's in Brazil. Lou Ferrigno's a security guard in there. Like, they're obviously paying homage to that version of it, thinking that that's going to get everybody on board. But I think the the problem was, is that's why I say it's a little uninspired, is that it wasn't forward-thinking in terms of how are we going to inspire people to like the Hulk now, as opposed to why did people like the Hulk from this show that came out 30 years ago? Um you know, it didn't have the same approach of Iron Man of we've got to find a we've got to reach a modern audience. They thought they already had an audience with the Hulk and they thought they could just kind of pander to him. And it didn't quite. And again, it's a it's a well-made movie that just doesn't have the pack that same punch. And I think that's why it's a, you know, it always ends up being kind of a forgotten Marvel Cinematic Universe entry. Now, there's more practical reasons behind that, which we can you know get into. But, yeah, I think with The Incredible Hulk, it's that. You know, I watched the movie, and it's not so much that I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, like checking boxes in my head of this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. It's making a mistake here, it's making a mistake there. It's not so much that it's making mistakes; it's that the what's good about the movie just isn't as good and isn't as powerful and moving as the stuff that's good about the best Marvel movies. Yeah, it's I don't know. It, it's just funny because it just feels also feels kind of and, and I don't, I don't want to say cheap, but it definitely feels like they just went around the Hulk as much as possible. And when, it, when he hulks out, I think it's good, you know, but you can tell that the technology and, and the and the and the budget just quite wasn't there. Still. Well, the first Hulk out, you don't even really see him. I know he's like in shadows and yeah. like and though it works. It works to an extent from a, from a I think creative pro, you know yeah, aspect. 
it, it also is, is we all know why it's there. It's because it's, you know, it's cheap. Yeah. So cheaper to do that, which again, this, it, there is, there's obvious things like that, right? I don't feel that way in like, uh, the Avengers films or even in Thor Ragnarok. I feel like it's, I mean, obviously technology has advanced so much in 10 years, God, 10 years. And, you know, and <laughs> yeah. so like, it's, it's crazy because it does look so good and, and they can keep them on the screen more for cheaper. And so, it's it's I, I do appreciate the fact that it's you know that we get that now because I feel like if you made a Hulk movie now you could do some really crazy stuff with it obviously which is kind of it's what that's what's one of my major bummers about this movie. Well, and I think another thing that kind of dates the look is they they overreacted to the Ang Lee Hulk um, because they wanted to like de Shrek the Hulk. So they muted the green a lot. They, and I remember them talking about that. I don't remember who, if it was the director or Louis Leterrier or, or somebody else. But, you know, I remember reading articles about it and before it was coming out. And they were talking about the shade of green that they were using for the Hulk, that they wanted it to look more natural. I'm like, well, it's radiation, so it doesn't have to look natural. It's not based on, like, earthy tones. So it, it's like the bright green is actually okay. It's not ne- That's not necessarily the problem. But they wanted to have what they thought was a more natural look, and like it's it's completely unnatural. So it can't. It is inherently unnatural no matter what you do. Um, so I didn't I didn't hate the look when I saw it in two thousand eight, but it didn't quite. You know, it looked solid. It looked fine. Like okay, these are five years advanced from where we were with Ang Lee's version. I get it, and it looks like it's been advanced since then. So I'm fine with it. But it just doesn't quite have the same look. You know, it doesn't look as much like the Hulk to me as we got in Avengers and, and everything since then, uh, where they brightened up the green a bit, uh, the green a bit more, and allowed him to just look like the you know look like a gamma radiated Hulk, like he's supposed what? to be. Yeah. Well, let's be real here. I mean, you went from one extreme to a little yeah. bit of another. It's an, I, over, I, it's an I, overreaction, which is which actually happens all the time in comic book movies. Yeah, right, right. But but let's be real here. The Ang Lee one, he's a little too green. Uh, well, he's the what's missing is not it's not about the shading of the green; it's the texture of the skin. You know, like if you really look mm. at it, like if the skin has more texture, because the like the uh, granted maybe they could have taken it you know a couple shades you know they could have dimmed it a little bit in angley's hulk (laughs) but the hulk that's out now is not that much it's 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 not as bright as angley's hulk but it's certainly much brighter than the edward norton hulk from you know 2008 so i think it kind of uh you know that is true that is true the other thing that i think is a, a major improvement is um you know once Edward Norton's Bruce Banner becomes the Hulk in in this film. He doesn't look like he emerged from Bruce Banner anymore. Like there's no real resemblance to Edward Norton and the Hulk. Um, but what they really started doing with Avengers, and they've gotten much much better at it through Age of Ultron and then uh, Thor Ragnarok, is now like it actually looks like a hulked out Mark Ruffalo. And and I, I know it's not a major thing, but I do believe it makes a difference that you're still retaining the sense of this guy within the monster. Um, and I think that does help the, uh, that does help the storytelling a bit. Now, I also want to talk about, uh, Edward Norton as Bruce Banner in this, because I, I enjoyed Edward Norton as Bruce Banner. I thought he was a very good Bruce Banner. And I was actually upset when we, you know, when we all found out that he was not going to be the Hulk in the Avengers, because I thought he was good enough. Um, I was like, well, 
Eric Bana didn't work. We finally found a guy who works. Like maybe the movie wasn't the greatest, but it was still solid. And he wasn't Edward Norton. I didn't think was really the problem with it. Um, and uh, I wanted to just, okay, let's just continue that. And then I always hate like breaks in continuity and recasting. I was like, crap, we already had that with Terrence Howard and then Don Cheadle, although that worked out. <laughs> um, and then this recasting though of Edward Norton for Mark Ruffalo worked out again, because even though I like Edward Norton as Bruce Banner, there is something missing. And there's something that's missing from Edward Norton's Bruce Banner that is present for uh, Mark Ruffalo and what when was present for Bill Bixby when he was David Banner um, because I, I was always a fan of Edward Norton so I mean when he was originally cast I forgot to talk about that prior to uh, you know in our before we saw the movie I was on board <laughs> with the casting of Edward Norton because I the first thing I ever remember seeing him in was Primal Fear uh, in with uh, Richard Gere in the 90s that was an amazing movie and then of course we all remember American History X I mean oh, I loved yeah. Edward Norton thought he was a phenomenal actor couldn't believe that he was signing on to be Bruce Banner. So I was all on board with it, and I enjoyed his performance. Um, and I was disappointed when he wasn't going to continue on as Bruce Banner in the MCU. But I think another reason that this movie gets forgotten, though, is because of how good Mark Ruffalo is uh, as Bruce Banner, because that missing ingredient that I was talking about is there's an inherent warmth and like a just a gentle kindness to Bruce Banner that... It's not the kind of thing that you can say with a line of dialogue. It's not the kind of thing that you can, you know, you can't script it. Like the, it's just one of those qualities that you just, you have or you don't. And Mark Ruffalo gives off that vibe, at least for me, maybe it's not, maybe it's not true for everybody, but for me, I pick up this vibe from Mark Ruffalo that reminds me of uh, Bruce Banner and my favorite moments in the comics reminds me of Bruce Banner uh, in, or David Banner, as played by Bill Bixby, is just <laughs> that because in order for you to feel, in order for you to really feel bad for this guy who's the Hulk, like you, you got to really like the guy and you got to believe that he's this good guy. Which is not to say that Edward Norton comes across as like a jerk with his Bruce Banner, but he just doesn't come across the same way um, as uh, as Ruffalo. And I think that's another reason why is people have just taken to. Mark Ruffalo's version of Banner, which means you don't really want to pay as much attention to uh, the other guy. Yeah, I, I kind of I'm with you pretty much. I don't I don't think Norton did a bad job either. I just don't think he did like an amazing job. He wasn't like he owned the role like uh, like Robert Robert Downey Jr. did with with you know with with his role as a portrayal as Tony Stark. And I don't know, and and maybe because it was a little more you know. Dr. Banner had to be a little bit more serious and, you know, he, he was almost a little too serious the whole time. And, you know, one of the things I love about Ruffalo's performance is that he's, he's in hiding and he's always, he always is, is, is seems like he's forcing himself to relax. And like, 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 like when, when Natasha sees him in the Avengers, he's like, Oh, you found me. Mm Mm-hmm. Like he's yeah. just—he's not—he's just like he's—he's he's just being very cool and chill mm-hmm. about it. Like he's not trying. It's like he's constantly holding back it's and, like, and letting he, off. He's chill and tense at the same time. It, exactly, exactly. He's—he's just—he does a great job of portraying someone who is tense, but also who's trying to relax at the same time. And it's—it's it's a rare thing to pull off. Edward Norton looks like he's constantly like doing something, you know, meaning like he's always got something on his mind and he's. And he's always like, you know, determined to figure it out. I mean, yeah. that's kind of his face throughout this whole movie, and which is fine. 
it's like I said, he's, he didn't do a bad job. And it, let's be real here. If he wasn't such a pain in the ass to work with, well. he still might be the Hulk. <laughs> I mean, let's be real here. Yeah, he wasn't – he didn't necessarily – get axed due to i mean based on you know rumors and reports at the time i mean it wasn't it wasn't an issue of marvel did not marvel hated his performance and knew after the incredible hulk that they needed uh another bruce banner because it wasn't until 2010 that they cast ruffalo um you know it was just uh you know they announced ruffalo at at comic con i believe in 2010 i think there might have been some news rumors breaking before that but he like debuted you know as marvel officially announcing him as the new bruce banner uh when all the avengers came out on stage in comic con which was even though avengers wasn't until 2012 they did that at comic con uh 2010 um cuz they already had most of them there because they already had like cap and thor there for their movies coming out in 2011 but um yeah, like I, I know with Banner, like there was more involved with that, you know, like uh, you know, you have the rumors of Edward Norton basically took over the Incredible Hulk and was re, you know, doing rewrites of the script and everything and then he would have been taking over and try to be ex- you know, exerting that, you know, much that much control again over the Avengers and obviously Marvel didn't want anybody else in control of the Avengers other than whoever they were going to hand pick which was initially Zach Penn and then it totally and then they threw that out and it was all Joss Whedon. Um Zach Penn. Yeah. Hey, that's what it was. Um and you know they totally threw his work out cuz he doesn't even have a WGA credit for the screenplay. I think he might have a story yep. credit, but I think that's it. Um I don't think he does. Does he? You know, I don't think know. he does. I don't know. I'm going to have the IMDb. I'll re- yeah, all right. I'll you research re- that I'll while he's on. I'll research. Um, okay, go. So anyway, yeah, I, I know there was more. Uh, there was more to it than that, but uh, you know, getting away from the Edward Norton drama, the other thing that doesn't work as well for this movie, and I think the reason why people haven't responded to it, um, not completely unlike the, uh, you know, the the lack of warmth from Edward Norton's Bruce Banner, is I think that this movie didn't do what it didn't entirely accomplish what it set out to do. I was I rewatched the movie. Uh, for this episode, and I also was watching the special features, and you see Kevin Feige, who looks much younger than he does now. No offense to Kevin Feige if he's uh, if he's watching. That's just the crazy thing about watching these movies now and watch, going back, especially on like the special features, um, where there's less makeup for everybody. Like everybody, like just looks so young and like baby faced from ten years ago. Which is not to say that everybody looks old now. They just don't look like they did in two thousand eight. Um, but I don't either, so it's fair. Um, is that they kind of set out to make like a more fun Hulk movie compared to Ang Lee's film in 2003. And while I think it's fair to say that this, that the Incredible Hulk is more fun than Ang Lee's Hulk, it's not that fun. It's not as fun as it could be because it still leans too heavily on the, you know, gee whiz, isn't it so sad that Bruce Banner has to be Hulk? Isn't it so terrible and tragic that he is cursed with this monster? And what this, you know, because it fell into the same trap as the Ang Lee Lee movie in that, yes, there is that element of tragedy to it. There is that element of sadness to it. But that's not all that it is. Because even a Peter Davis run, which actually dealt with a lot of the heavy stuff that Ang Lee did, the... uh, you know, the abuse from Bruce Banner's father, like it, it dealt with some really dark, heavy, tragic stuff, tragic elements to the Hulk, but it also had really good balance. It also had a sense of fun because Bruce Banner wasn't beaten down by this all the time. And he was able, you know, and you saw him being uh, resilient and retaining his, you know, his heroic spirit, his, you know, his, hu- his uh, sense of human kindness. Like you saw all of that 
still being present in the character like you would see with Bill Bixby's David Banner. And, and I think that's what, that was an element that was really missing from this. And they, that's the biggest example of what, you know, of a deficiency in the incredible Hulk actually happens in the Avengers because there's one scene and we all remember the scene where when Bruce Banner says, I got low and we talked about how he tried to kill himself. And when he fired the gun, the monster spit out the, you know, the Hulk spit out the bullet. And that one scene is a better example of the tragedy of the Hulk than I, than the entirety of Louis Leterrier's Incredible Hulk and Ang Lee's Hulk from 2003. Like one scene is better at, is better at doing that than both than two entire movies. And it's because they, they're able to accomplish that and establish that sadness and that level of tragedy while at the same time being able to show you so much more to Bruce Banner and give him different, you know, give him depth, give him layers. That's just beyond how, how sad it is that this guy has to be the Hulk. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so, it's so weird to me that the, the Bruce Banner character, you can take it a lot of different directions and, I don't, and and that's the. I think Peter David, like you talked about, you know, really showed you what you could do with the character. There's really unlimited things you could do with Bruce Banner because he can, if you can control the Hulk, then you know he can then like just kind of be like a regular superhero, right? Like a full on like I'm gonna turn into the Hulk, like like Mark Ruffalo does in the Avengers. Or you can play him to be this, the you know the guy who's looking for the a constant. Um, you know, looking for a cure because what he has is a curse and what he doesn't want to destroy and hurt people. And, and, you know, I think that like, you know, one of the problems I think this movie has is it, it does dive on that a little too much, which is, you know, it's kind of a, a quasi continuation of what happened in Ang Lee's Hulk. But the problem is the audience, I'm not, I'm just not sure an audience wants to see a whole movie about that, which no, is, and, and that's what we, that's what we got. And I, I don't, like I said, I don't think they again. I don't think they hated the movie. It is. It's like it's not that fun to see this guy, you know. Because here's because here's the problem, right? If you go all in with that idea, you're gonna get a really emotionally charged film. And there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is if you do that the wrong way, you get Ang Lee's Hulk, in my opinion. And you get it kind of all over the place and you kind of, you kind of negate what you're, you're there to see. You're there to see the goods. You're there to see Hulk destroy stuff, Hulk smash. But instead, you know, you can't kind of dap, you know, put your toe in the water and go, well, it's, you know, I'm just going to go swimming, but I'm just going to put my toe in it. That's really swimming. It's no, no, no. You need to <laughs> die. If you're going to go, if you're going to go full superhero, you go full superhero. And I feel like that's what this movie has a problem doing is finding that balance of being a superhero movie, but yet still being that emotionally charged, like I'm cursed. I've got to cure myself. I have guilt, you know, that Marvel idea of like, or what if someone really had this power, what would they do? And there's, there is some, you know, that can only take you so far. I think, especially in during this time, I think, cause I think Iron Man really hit on, uh, the idea of our fan balance. Or, you know, the word we, yeah, yeah, our bal- key word of last week was balance. That's what Iron Man had that the incredible Hulk doesn't. Yeah. And I think the, the fact is people also want to have fun during the movie. And I mm-hmm. think that's what we realized. The Hulk has fun, but not as much fun as it could, especially can you imagine now uh, a Hulk movie after watching um, uh, Thor Ragnarok? I mean, it is 
it is unbelievable. I feel that what you could do with a Hulk movie, you can make a Hulk movie so much fun. When you look, when you, when you I always consider Thor Ragnarok a, a part, a, basically a, a Hulk movie as well. It's, he's in the movie a lot, right? Yeah. He's not the main character. He's in the movie a lot. So when I compare this with just the Hulk parts, which is a, a good portion of the movie, it's so vastly different. And I think that it's a shame that Universal can't get their act together because they they could make such a great Hulk movie, but they won't. You know, and it's, it, I know it has to do with you know money and all that. Well, Marvel right Studios will make it, but Universal will get the right to distribute it. Um, and right, obviously right. Disney's not going to be super thrilled with that idea. Um, now, I think that, yeah, I mean, some of the things about Hulk, like the reason why I think that you know that that lack of balance in another area that it shows is think about every time Bruce Banner becomes the Hulk in this movie. You know, you have the first Hulk where it's just it's sad because he's being chased and he's also being beat up by these guys who are harassing the the woman at those at the factory earlier. Like everything about it is played as like we don't want this to happen. We don't want this to happen. You know, both of his transform his first two transformations are like that, and then even the third one, even though like that's the heroic necessary transformation, it starts out with him like thinking he might be cured and possibly killing himself by jumping out of a plane to try and turn into the Hulk. Um, and so even when he emerges, it just doesn't feel triumphant in the way that it does in the Avengers. Like the first uh, Hulk transformation, you don't he doesn't want to be the Hulk. Obviously, nobody wants to be the Hulk. They don't want him to turn into the Hulk aboard the helicarrier. That's a problem. Uh, but then the but it's a big like it's a huge triumphant moment when he turns into the Hulk uh, for the final battle in New York. And that just does it. They never capture that feeling uh, in the Incredible Hulk. So. It's really hard, not only in the way Bruce Banner is treated, but even in the way the Hulk is treated when he's hulked out, it's treat it's very it's treated as this thing that we don't want. Um, even the end of like the main his main Hulk out is like him trying twist, you know, about to kill uh, Abomination with the chain, and then Betty stops him. So it's like this thing of Hulk's out of you know, Bruce, anytime Bruce Banner is the Hulk, he's out of control, and it's this terrible thing. Um, and you know the Avengers doesn't play it that way because it's not always a terrible thing uh, when Bruce Banner becomes the Hulk. And the fact that in the Avengers, uh, Tony Stark yep. throughout the entire movie is basically saying like, "Hey, Hulk's," you know, obviously not using these words because Joss Whedon's a better writer than <laughs> I am, but basically saying that like, "Hey, Hulk is a good thing. Watch." And then of course it turns out to be a very good thing. Now there's still negatives to it. But there's a lot of positives that come with it uh, as well. And speaking of Avengers, Zach Penn does have a story credit. I was just going to say, I, I saw it. Um, but get, credit. but getting into, you know, let's talk about the uh, the legacy of this movie, and which <laughs> we all know because everybody knows, right? Like the in terms of its place in, in MCU history, is that it feels like, you know, well, prior to Civil War, I mean, it almost felt like it almost felt like this movie was gone. Uh, from yeah. MCU canon. It was only because they brought back, um, you know, they brought back General Ross. So like, okay, there is a, a there is a connection now to the Incredible Hulk. So it is tied back into the rest of the MCU. But that's largely it. Now, you know, some people, I, I don't know if it's ever been confirmed, but there have been some things saying that like Liv Tyler will be back as Betty Ross at some point in Infinity War. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Um, I also don't care if it happens or not. Um, I do. I love Liv. <sighs> I love Liv Tyler, dude. I'm sorry. I, I, I and, get it. I get it. Me the and only, John Beerley, we, we I love know Liv. You guys, I know you guys are big fans of Liv Tyler. The only problem is that like, 
her performance just lets me down more each time I watch this movie, just because really? there's she's so whispery all the time <laughs> when she's talking. I just that's her natural voice. I Come know, on, man. I know. I just eh, there's it's it's not a bad not a bad performance, but it's whatever. And I also think that Jennifer Connelly got a raw deal being stuck in uh, Hulk because she was a, she actually would have been a great. Betty and just didn't totally get the chance. To do I would agree. Movie. I would agree. Um, but anyway, I, Liv Tyler was fine in the incredible Hulk, but not so much that like, she's just not a character where I'm like, Oh yeah, I definitely got to make sure we see Betty at some point in the next two Avengers movies. Um, but yeah, it is a little bit of a bummer that this, that you have a movie that's part of this huge uh, cinematic universe. And for the most part, it's left on the sidelines, but I get all the reasons why. I mean, you can't, Marvel Studios is not going to end up making a, a solo Hulk movie because even though they have the rights to make the movie, Universal has the rights to distribute it. So, I mean, some people will look at Spider-Man and say, well, well, Sony distributed Spider-Man and, and Marvel made that. Uh, yeah, that was a deal. That was so that Marvel could put Spider-Man in team-up movies that would be released by Disney. Disney can already release movies that have Hulk in them as long as it's not a Hulk solo movie. So, unfortunately, a lot of these other elements... Like, you know, Tim Blake Nelson as the leader, as that transformation begins at the end of the movie, I don't think we're going to see him. Um, nope. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, and, but, and, you know, a lot of the other stuff with the Incredible Hulk, like, it's just never going to quite click in the way it does with the rest of the MCU. So you, you know the practical reasons for it, you know, and, and obviously the, the recasting, because people love Mark Ruffalo so much it's harder to go back to Edward Norton's and the incredible Hulk because it doesn't even feel like it's, it doesn't even feel like it's part of the same universe in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you know, it is, you know, you, you know that it is, but it just doesn't feel that way. And I think that's why the incredible Hulk, it's not the worst MCU movie. It definitely isn't. But a lot of times I feel, and maybe, you know, I changed my mind about this, but it's always in my bottom three, especially when it comes to favorites. And a lot of times I end up feeling like it's my least favorite just because it doesn't feel, it doesn't totally feel like it's part of the story. So when I think about the MCU as a whole, um, the Incredible Hulk is just kind of there technically. It's not there in, in, in true and full spirit, uh, like everything else. Even the movies that don't, you know, work as well as I'd like them to, like the next movie we'll talk about, Iron Man 2, or what we'll talk about. Several movies down the line with Thor: The Dark World. Yeah, you know, there. I do like some of the connections they have for this. You know, this movie. I love the fact that you know uh, the Abomination uh, Blonsky when he takes the Captain America, uh, you know, serum. Yeah, and you know, he, he that was cool because that was the precursor to Captain America. Like, oh, it's exactly what Captain America is like. That's awesome, and that was pretty cool. Um, you know. It's really weird. The guy from Modern Family is supposed to be Doc Samson. That's really weird, by the way. Um, he was announced. He was announced as Doc Samson, but then I don't. I don't even know if that's how he's credited. But they never call him that, like in the in the movie. I'm gonna like, look it up right now. I think they. <laughs> I think they pulled him back. You know, I think they pulled back on that because they were like, ah, "We're not going anywhere with this." Um, yeah. Because well, remember, so, but, in the trailer, he was actually talking to Bruce Banner, but then he never right, talks to that, Bruce yeah. Banner in the movie. So it's like it's there in the deleted scenes. Well, in, in IMDb, it says Dr. Leonard Sampson. So that yeah. would be Dr. Sampson. Yeah. So, I mean, so here, but here's the thing. I mean, I, I never took him seriously as Doc Sampson. No way. <laughs> not even he, a little bit. Yeah, not even close. So, um, 
but yeah, no, I there is some cool like you know Marvel stuff in this that that are you know obviously at the very end of the movie as well. But no, I really. I really did enjoy, you know. I actually did like Tim, Tim Blake Nelson's performance as Blonsky. You know, he wasn't. Oh, even though he was, he Tim was, Roth is uh, Blonsky. Oh, I'm sorry. Tim Blake oh, Nelson is the leader. Is leader. I always get those two convinced. Yeah, uh, Tim Roth. Both Tims. Um, but yeah, Tim Roth as, as as Abomination Blonsky. You know, he's not Russian. It works. You know, I you know I wasn't too worried about that. But no, like I I, th- I liked his performance as you know, and I loved uh, Hurt's performance as Dross. So um, there are he some was good fine, but he's he's a little over the top in the Incredible I like Hulk, it, and he though. and he See, reined it in properly for uh, Captain America: Civil War. But you know but, what? It makes sense because the dude had a heart attack, and you could totally understand that version of Ross having a heart attack. <laughs> Well, I mean, Ross is over the top in the comic books. I mean, that's kind of his character. And I liked his performance better than um, Sam. Oh, my God. What's his name? Oh, my gosh. Uh, the guy from the guy who played him in an uh, Ang Lee's movie. Oh, the, Sam Elliott. The, Sam Elliott. I couldn't remember his last name. But yeah, I thought, I thought he was a way better well, uh, Thunderbolt just, Ross. Sam Elliott's too smooth to be Ross, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. But, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I felt William Hurt. Uh, it's William Hurt, right? Yeah. Always get, is it John or yeah? I always get those two mixed up too. Um, William Hurt's performance as General Ross, I think, is is so spot from the comic books. Like, I think it's it's definitely an underrated. In my opinion, I think it's underrated, a little underrated. Yeah, I I don't I never saw Ross as quite that nutty until he became Red Hulk. Like I didn't see it quite on that level, but it, it was fine. Like I don't hate it. Um, but I, I definitely like his version of Ross in Civil War better than I like uh, the way he played it in uh, in The Incredible Hulk. Um, but I'm glad that the character you know, that that character lives because like Ross is a cool character like overall in, in Marvel Comics. So I'm glad that they didn't just completely scrap everybody and and maybe they could bring back uh, Samuel Stearns. I don't know if Tim Blake Nelson would get to do it, um, but whoever gets to do it with Samuel Stearns becoming the leader. I'd be fine with it, but the leader has, I mean, the leader's fought Avengers. He's fought tons of Marvel heroes, but he's usually pretty directly linked uh, to the Hulk. He was the big bad of the 90s Hulk animated series that was on uh, UPN, uh, which was not a bad show, by the way. Um, I actually like that. Not as much as the 80s animation, but it was, it was decent. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, the Incredible Hulk will, is just kind of destined to be the green-headed stepchild of the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. Like, it well is. said. It, it, yeah. It's the, you know, but I'm not, and some people kind of, you know, treat it as like this huge bummer and like, oh, this is one of Marvel's best movies and it sucks that they don't reference it and this and that. And I'm like, it's not, A, it's not one of Marvel's best movies. Um, and then B, like, it's, it's okay. Like, it's fine. I don't, I don't hate the fact that it doesn't, you know, that some of its loot, you know, some of the threads that were open in that movie aren't necessarily brought back. I mean, I, I would be happy to see Abomination again, but it's not like I would ever want Abomination to be the main villain in another movie. Like it's if he got to be the muscle for another major Marvel villain in a movie at some point, I'd be fine with that. That would be that'd be totally cool. But yeah, other than outside of that, I don't necessarily need him to be in there. Um, the leader is a cool villain, but not one of my favorites. Um, so I don't necessarily need that to be picked up on. <laughs> And I'm kind of fine with where the I'm kind of fine with where the Incredible Hulk is. Like, yes, it's here, it's canon, it's it's part of the MCU, um, but it's not one of my favorite parts of the MCU. It's certainly not one of the parts that I uh, 
revisit the most often. And and I ultimately just feel like this character that I love so much with the Incredible Hulk, he's been done better, even in movies that weren't all his own. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, it's funny because the, the, the problem with the Hulk is you got to have him bash other monsters. And, and leading with the leader, or ending with the leader, excuse me, um, it was kind of interesting. He's he's not a super interesting villain. Um, the abomination is probably. I'm trying to you know. I'm trying to think of all the Hulk villains off he's top of my head. In terms of like yeah. fist fight, like like yeah. physical adversary, abomination is the. I mean, at least when I was growing up and reading Hulk comics, like he was fighting abomination all the time, all the time. Yeah, no, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, no, they're just. That's that's a good point. He does he doesn't have the best rogues gallery is what I'm trying to say, I guess. You know, like no, there's and because he is such a, you know, you know, the character is so kind of all over the place. He's a lot of times he's fighting the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and that's why it's also kind of exciting for potential, you know, Fantastic Four movies is oh, that we I might actually get Hulk versus Thing, man. Thing, yeah, dude, that's dude. like gonna be the, the shit. That's so. I mean, that, that's gonna be a fun movie. I mean, that's probably gonna be a movie where you could have the Hulk show up in a Fantastic Four movie or something like that. Oh, you know, that's, or that's gotta happen once the Fantastic yeah. Four in the MCU. I need to see Hulk versus Thing. I know people are talking about Hulk versus Wolverine, and I'm on board with that. I also want to see want to yep. see a Hulk versus Wolverine fight. Don't get me wrong, but the hero fight that I grew up with was Hulk versus Thing. Like that was, it was just visually. The green versus the orange, I don't know what it is. I have just always thought, or depending on the comic book, maybe a little more yellow for the thing. Like, I've just <laughs> always loved that pairing, uh, you know, those Same. two characters going at it. Um, it's probably, it's my all-time favorite hero versus hero battle. Like, I've just always thought visually it was so interesting, and I would love to see that in a movie uh, at some point. And yeah, that's the thing is, I, I always cared more about Hulk versus Thing battles than I ever did about Hulk versus any of his villains. Uh, no, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the leader's fine, but that's that's about the extent of it. He's fine. He's not. Yeah. He's not great. Yeah, well, by the way, a great Hulk versus Thing storylines in the late 80s where um, he's Mr. Fix-It, mm-hmm. and... Um, he takes on pinecone thing and it is, it's in a fantastic four issue. I think it's like three, uh, I forgot what it was, but um, it's like on three twenty something. Um, and it's so good. Like the thing finally beats the Hulk because like he's super powered up as the pinecone thing. Mm-hmm. And then like great Hulk's a little bit, you know, not as powerful as the green Hulk. So like thing like beats the snot out of him for the first time, like ever. Cause I mean, basically the thing's always gotten his butt kicked by the Hulk yeah. always. Like always, so yeah. So I mean, the Hulk has again. I'm, I'm, again, I keep going back to like the Hulk. I'm like, okay, what are his villains? Like, what exactly does he fight? And it is hard. It's like it's not. It's not clear cut. That's why you know stories like Planet Hulk, Ground Zero, where it takes a lot of different aspects of you know not just a, an arch enemy, but like you know it takes on a, a planet of you know monsters or. I've always loved a good Hulk versus Juggernaut fight. But, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. In the early '90s one. I remember that yeah. Red Skull showed up. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's like you, there's you have to use other characters in the Marvel universe to really build up um, the Hulk. The, the Abomination is, by all accounts, his only pound for pound like villain. Unless I'm thinking of forgetting something, which I'm going to research, make sure I'm not forgetting anything that's obvious. I'm sure, but like a I couple, mean, but like you know, he fights like Wendigo. Like there's other, you know, there's other villains oh, yeah. that he fights. But yeah, Abomination in terms of 
this is actually a Hulk villain, not a villain from other comics that Hulk fights. You know, and that is a physical match for the Hulk. It's it's always been uh, it's always been abomination. So I'm glad that we at least got that. Even though the MCU abomination really doesn't resemble the comic book abomination, he's just big. <laughs> Um, like, and deformed. Yeah. yeah, but like the other, like there's no amphibian like element to it, like you have for the abomination in the comics. So that's that's yeah. a little disappointing, but whatever. It's still a big ugly monster thing. Call it abomination, fine. Um, which they do because Samuel Stern says the result could be an abomination. <laughs> oh God, that was so brutal. Was yeah, so yeah, uh, not the not the greatest, but uh, yeah, I mean, Zor. A Zorby man, a Zorby man is. Yep. Even though I would say it's more, it's more of a Thor villain. He kind of is part of the Wrecking Crew, so He's I don't know if I plenty would... of times. Although the you know they did that with Ang Lee and they ruined it, um, but then at least they kind of <laughs> redeemed him. He, Zorby man was pretty decent on Agents of Shield. It wasn't great, but it was okay. Um, hmm. But yeah, that's. Uh, but obviously, that's you know not. Marvel Studios doesn't really care what happened on Agents of Shield, so uh, yeah. they could certainly well, bring him back uh, yeah. for for the movies if they if they were so inclined. I just don't know how much they're going to care. But anyway, yeah, I mean the Incredible Hulk. It is, uh, it, it is probably the the footnote of the Marvel Cinematic Universe out of all the movies that have been uh, released thus far. Um, so now we're we're at that point in the show where we end it for everybody who's. Uh, Every, we end it for everybody on the main show, but of course we're going to keep the conversation going and talking about any connective tissue between the Incredible Hulk and Infinity War. And we're also going to address today's hot new rumor of Tom Holland possibly appearing in Venom uh, as the MCU version of uh, Spider-Man that Tom Holland introduced in Civil War and continued in Spider-Man Homecoming. So we're going to talk about that in our Patreon credit scene or after credit scene. We don't know what to call it, uh, but it is our bonus exclusive content for our Patreon subscribers. And again, if you want to be able to listen to that additional conversation from this episode, uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. But until then, Paul, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. We'll contact me on there, and we'll talk about Star Wars and Marvel and and some Seahawks, NFL stuff, whatever you want. (laughs) And you can find uh, well, you can find the show at marvelstudiosnews.com and also on Twitter at Marvel Newscast or on Facebook as Marvel Studios News. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks as always for listening. And for those of you true believers who are subscribed on Patreon, we'll see you in just a minute. Everybody else, we'll see you next week. 